You know, I wish I'd had time to memorize it, but I didn't. But I said, my Savior specializes in mending broken things. He takes the heart that's shattered and gives it songs to sing. He pieces it together with his sweet, gracious touch. He mends the heart that's broken because he loves so much. He mends the broken spirit, then lifts that spirit up and pours the oil of gladness into the upturned cup. The broken lives he reshapes, those lives so wrecked by sin. When in their crushed condition, they turn in faith to him. The broken dreams that crumble to ashes at our feet, that seem so fair and lovely, that made life taste more sweet. Those broken dreams he rebuilds and fashions them anew, then gives us faith to trust him, to see new dreams come true. What of the broken plans, then the broken health that comes? Is he not ever mindful when life's swift pendulum dashes to scattered pieces the plans that we have made? Above it all, he whispers, I shall come to your aid. Isn't that like God? He restores broken spirits, binds broken hearts and dreams, repairs the shattered pages of lives that he redeems. He stands ready to help us no matter what life brings because he specializes in mending broken things. And that is God. Amen. That is God. He loves you so much. So today I speak shalom to you. Nothing missing and nothing broken. God bless you. And I'll give it to Miss Anita. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That was a beautiful word. Uh, now I'd like to introduce our guest speaker. And she's been so kind to come to us today when it's her birthday. <laughs> we're sharing in her birthday, and we're so glad to have her. Yes. What better way can you think of to celebrate a birthday than have a room full of women partying together? Amen? Praise God. I tell them, I just celebrate the big ones now anyway, you know. And this is 64, so next year is a big one. So we'll do a big one next year. But I'm really delighted to be with you because I, I, I had this feeling today that maybe Vicki Jamison and Sam Smith and some of my old buddies have orchestrated it for me to be here with you to celebrate. And so they're celebrating from the other side and cheering us on. And uh, many of you that have come in the last number of years to Faith Christian Center don't even know that I'm a part of the fabric of your church. I was one of the prayers that prayed and birthed this church with Pastor Sam when he was still traveling with Vicki on the road, and we were praying for direction into New England. And, you know, we came and did daily television into New England uh, from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then actually Sam came to Pioneer, and it was birthed out of those prayers and those times over our lunch hours. We would take our lunch hours and just pray and pray by the Spirit and the Lord would unveil and reveal things and, and get things in motion for the journeys. And now after 16 years of being with Sam's buddy, Bob Nichols, my husband and I have returned after overseeing a 24-hour place of prayer in Fort Worth, Texas to fulfill the vision the Lord gave us 30 years ago that we would establish a place of prayer in New England. And, you know, when we first visited Dr. Cho's wonderful prayer mountain in Korea, we said, man, we need a place like this in New England. You know, and the Lord said, yeah, we do, and you're going to do it. And we thought, wow. And he said, you're going to establish a place of prayer in New England. He said, but before you do, you must establish a place of prayer in the hearts of people. You know, what if you had a place of prayer and nobody cared about prayer? I mean, you know, what good would it have be to have a place of prayer that people could come to, come away to if they just didn't believe in the power of prayer? And so we, for 30 years, traveled all over the world establishing places of prayer in the hearts of people. And 
leading prayer retreats and prayer seminars and prayer clinics and praying for churches and building prayer places in churches and just whatever the Lord would have us to do. And two years ago, the Lord said, it's time for the place of prayer in New England. And so just to give you a quick review, we looked at over 300 properties in New England. You know, I mean, New England, you would think like, well, it's, it's small. You can get around New England in five hours. But yet, when you don't know where you're supposed to be located, I mean, it could be anywhere in New England. And we looked and found 300 properties. And then the Lord led us to the house that he said, this is the one I have prepared for you. And it's a 1793 farmhouse in the, uh, we call it the Sanctuary. It's in Guilford, New Hampshire, right above the Lake Winnipesaukee. That's our view from the front windows. And um, it's a place where the Lord said, in the next great awakening of New England, he said, my people will need to come up out of the sea of humanity. How many of you are believing for a great harvest in this time? He said, my people will need to come up out of the sea of humanity to rest, refresh, and hear from me and be revived and then return to do the work of the ministry. So if you believe in coming apart before you come apart, amen, then the sanctuary is one of those places that you need to make plans to visit because that's what it's designed to be. So it's a beautiful home. It's ha it has some, several rooms in it where people can come and stay and just get away. And then we do events all the time. So if you're interested in knowing what's going on at the sanctuary, be sure you fill out a prayer, like a little mailing list card at the table. We do have some brochures that show you some of the pictures and, and all of that at the table. I, you know, since it's my birthday, I get to give gifts, right? So let me just, let me do that right now. I'll have fun doing that. This is a book that we put together called Praying Clear Through. We brought it out of public domain. It was written in 1904, right after Azusa Street Revivals. And it was a man, um, his name was Reverend Will Harney, who was a part of the prayer team at Azusa Street. And he just shares what it took to pray clear through to revival. You know, we had this idea that when the outpouring came, I mean, it just went everywhere. But he said they plowed, they pioneered, just like we are in this hour in New England. We're pioneering and break. we've got a breaker anointing on us, amen, to pray into the plan that God has. But this, if you're a prayer, I'm looking for a prayer. Do I have any prayers in here? Okay, right here in the blue, you raise your hand first. I'll give that to you. All right, get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm just going to go down the pile. This has been since you've seen us, and this is a book called Filled the Spill. Our lives were touched dramatically in revival in 1991. Sam used to come down to the Cape, and, and uh, we used to uh, get, get him to you know, preach to us, and then we'd try to get him to stay over with us. I told him he needed yesterday. He'd say, no, I'm going to go home to my own bed. <laughs> and we'd think, why, you old fogey. <laughs> and now I'm going to go home tonight to my own bed. <laughs> But this book was birthed out of the touch of God on my life. I was a pastor's wife with issues. How many of you know that women have issues? It's not the only the woman in Mark 5 that has issues. I mean, we all have issues. Some of us, they've been there for 12 long years, and mine was that I was a fixer. I was always fixing everybody, and I thought I have all the books and the, and the tapes and the word in me, and I can fix people. And, and when I pastored, I had a whole church full of people to fix. And I just knew if they'd just listen to me and do what I told them to do, I could fix them. <laughs> and one day the Holy Spirit fired me from my position as the executive secretary to the Holy Ghost and laid me out on the floor. And I wept for hours, long enough that I thought everybody's going to think my husband is beating me. You know? I felt, I mean, I was wiped out on the floor and then my mourning turned to joy. And I had a breakthrough and that, that care came off of me. And you know, I tell people today, if I don't, if it doesn't appear that I care, it's because I really don't care. <laughs> it's not that I don't care, but I don't carry the care anymore. I understand that I can't do in you, only the Holy Spirit can do it. And as women, we have to understand, we can't fix anybody. And the truth is, if we could fix people, why aren't we fixed yet? Yeah. You know, the Lord said to me, if you're so good at fixing people, why have you still got stuff going on in your life? I mean, you should just fix yourself, right? But we can trust God, and we can understand that when we're filled with God, we can spill out on people the presence of God, the power of God. Who'd like to have that book? Okay, all the way in the back, right there, blue T-shirt. Come on, come running. Yes, woohoo! Best-selling classics, simply our best-selling tapes through the years. We've got them on CDs, all about praying God's Word and the deliverance God did in my life. Some, most of you may know my testimony. When I came to Jesus, I was a bike, you know, Harley-riding mama, 285 pounds. I only owned one pair of clothes, long underwear, T-shirt, and a pair of bib overalls. 
and they called me Big Mama. <laughs> and God began a good work in me, and he's still performing it until the day of Jesus Christ. But that power of God's word, it transformed my life so quickly. I, it just took me by surprise. Right there, you've got your hand up over there at that table. Yeah, I'll tell you what. And then this is one of our more recent ones, and this is a powerful one called The Cry of the Spirit. You know, women know how to cry, like, <laughs> but the cry that comes out of the Spirit that changed Hannah's barren condition to a fruitful one is the same cry you have on deep on the inside of you. And if you'll learn how to cry out to God and release that unction from the Holy Ghost that's deep within you, oh, we got to find a new table. How about over here on the left? Yes, come on, come on. You'll be blessed. Happy birthday to me. Hallelujah. This is my testimony book. Anybody need to get about 120 of your pounds off and you need to hear my testimony all the way on that back table, Woohoo! all the way to the wall. Let's go to the wall. Let's go to the wall. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. And then the companion book, Scriptures for Prayer. Some of you, who has one of these when they were green with a spiral binding? Does anybody have an old green one? That wave in the back, I want you to have a new one because, because that wave in the... Uh, this one with a green spiral band, you'll enjoy that, has been doubled. So I tell people, we've got double the scriptures, double the fun, double the praying to be done. Amen? Be blessed. <laughs> you sure can. You can say hug. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Several years ago, I, I hogtied 30 of my women friend in ministry, and I asked them to help me write a book to the next generation. I wanted us to share the victories we had in Christ. And then I found out that all my generation loved it. And then I found out that the pastors loved it. And if I knew the pastors were going to love it, I wouldn't have made it hot pink. But I did. <laughs> I put all the pages in hot pink, you know. And, but the pastors tell me that it's like hearing from a mother's heart. And you know what? El Shaddai is a many-breasted one. And he feeds and guides many. And he has a mother's heart just like he has the Father God's heart. And the mother's always saying, you can do it. We are always the encouragers, right? We're always the ones that believe in them. Right over here at that table in the pink. Yes, I'd like for you to have that. And uh, I know you'll enjoy it. And then I don't know how many of you remember when my 33-year-old was two, and uh, Sam used to tell me, you, got, you better discipline that kid. And I'd say, Sam, I spank him all day long. You know, <laughs> He tells us we beat it out of him. He's a wonderful young man today, 33, flying... <laughs> He's a jet pilot and the most disciplined kid you ever... I mean, he grew up to be a powerfully disciplined man. But we put this book together when he was two, and I used to have him confessing God's word, and I'd say, Andrew, say, I'm a disciple. He'd say, I disciple, taught of the Lord, taught yord, obeying God's will, great peace, undisturbed closure. And then, of course, eight years later, I had a blessing come, and his brother was born, and he would say to me, Mom, you had better correct Matthew while there's hope. <laughs> And now I have grandchildren that the book is dedicated to, and a publisher has picked this up so that it's going into all denominations of just word. Who's got some babies? All right, back here. She's got her. She's pointing to you. She wants you blessed. I tell you, you know what? You need to renew your mind with the promises of God's word, and then get your kids. You'll just start opening this book and reading it to them. They'll, they won't even be able to read yet, and they'll be reading this to you at night. You'll just turn the picture, and they'll say, where I go, the word of God will lead me, because they memorize it by the pictures. And then it gets in them. And you know what the covenant promise of God is? Isaiah 59, 21, that if the word of God lives in your heart and does not depart from your mouth, that it won't depart from the mouth of your children or your children's children. Isn't that an awesome promise from God? So that'll be a blessing. So one last thing here today, and that is that as we are running right now from the sanctuary a spring booster. I realize that some of you are meeting me for the very first time today. You have no idea who this fast-talking New Yorker is that has a southern accent. <laughs> but many of you have known us for many years, and you know uh, on the ministry, you know that we have been doing what we're doing for 35 years. And uh, at the sanctuary right now, we're running a spring booster campaign. And that is for, we, com we completely run the sanctuary by donations. All the business people in the congregations have tried to get us to do it as a business. And we said, you know, it's just not us. We've been in ministry for 35 years. We just can't, we just don't want anybody to not be able to come that couldn't come and, you know, all the stuff. And so we do it by donations and we have partners. And so anybody that would partner with us at $20 a month, what we have for you is a gift 
of a flash drive with 24 messages of prayer on it. They are from our mentors in prayer. Vicki Jameson, Billy Adams, Phil and Fern Halverson. Some of these are names that some of you never heard the, the ministry that went forth from them. And then there's many messages from Steve and I that we've never published into any form other than this. So if you'd like to partner with us and get involved in the sanctuary, stop at the table today, sign up, put your first donation in and take a flash drive. Uh, anything that's on the table, if we run out of, you can always prepay it and we'll send it to you for free. So enjoy all that. And now we're going to get to the word. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so excited because, um, you know, there are many plans in a man's mind and there's even more in a woman's. But the Lord directs our steps and he causes his purposes for us to stand. And um, I'm always thrilled when the Lord takes the messages that I've prepared and changes them. Because I always feel that that's a result of somebody that's pulling. Somebody that's saying, just, just speak into my life in this way. I have just a short time with you today. And a way that you could take that home is there's probably more word on those CDs than most people because I, do, I am a fast talker. And I make no apologies. I'm from upstate New York, and that's just the way New Yorkers talk, you know? But what I want to say is that when God is trying to reach into the hearts of people, he, he, he gives them life, and the life is found in the Word. And so I'm going to be sharing some prayer realities with you today. And for some of you, you're going to say, wow, this is stuff I have known for years. But how many of you have figured out by now, I'm 45 years down the road with this stuff, that you have to keep hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God, that you don't ever arrive at a place where you know it all, that every day His mercies are new and His Word is fresh. And that's what I love about the Bible. Sometimes I read scriptures that I know I've read thousands of times, and yet it's fresh. It's such manna, and it just comes to you in a way that is so new. And so, Father, I just pray right now that as I share your Word today, that it would be that fresh manna from heaven that it would be just exactly what they need to hear to just inspire and motivate and move them into a season of getting into the deeper waters of prayer, to be reminded of what this church has been founded on, how it was birthed, and how you will carry it to the finish line until Jesus comes and possibly beyond, Lord. We don't know what all is in store in the days ahead, but we do know you. And so we hang on to the stability that we have in you, Father. The knowledge of the Lord shall be the stability of our times. And we know that, Father, the more we know you and your word and you are one, that the more established our hearts can become. And a man with an established heart, a woman with an established heart, can't be moved forever. And so we just stand upon the solid rock of your word, Father, and we thank you that our prayers are heard from on high, that even while we're yet speaking... You're already sending answers on the way. And we're so thankful for this day to spend time together. We feasted and we filled with natural food, but now we look to you to fill us to overflowing with your word in Jesus' name. So I just want to talk about some real Bible truths about prayer today. I, I, you know, if I were going to be talking to you about communicating with friends, I would probably bring up the subject of you know, social media and telephones, cell phones and texting and I am and all the different ways you could communicate with people and face-to-face -face tea times, coffee times, some of my favorite, all the ways we could communicate with friends to build relationship. But if I were going to talk to you about communicating with God, I'd have to talk to you about prayer because prayer is communicating with the Father. And the best news I can give you today is that when that veil was rent, and Jesus tore it in half. It made a way. It opened the way up for you and I to come face to face with God. We can come boldly before the throne of grace and find that he is a very present help to us in time of need. There's so many times that I have needed for him to be present. I'm so thankful that he never leaves us or forsakes us. We don't have to ask him to come because he's here. He said, if two or three would gather in my name, I'll be right there in the midst of you. And he says, I won't even individually ever leave you or forsake you in any way, leave you without support. Never, never, never. I'll be with you always. He said, it's time. I have to go away, but the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to be a constant companion with you. And he's part of my trial-fold being, and, and he's never going to leave you. He's going to abide in you. And thank God that, that we have the, 
grace of God living within. The Spirit of God living within. The Spirit of grace. Amen? Amen. And so from that place, we can communicate with God and we, we can come boldly before the throne of God and know that He is a very present help. Sometimes nobody is around. Have you ever just had a time when nobody was there? I know for me in 2005, I was just going to celebrate one of my good friend's birthdays and I had all my antique hats and gloves and beads up in the attic and I was going to go get them so I could set up for a tea party so she could have her 60th birthday celebration. So I had just had breakfast with my husband. I, I, we had prayed together and then I went out in the garage and you know when we build our home, they never did come back and put that pulled down attic stairway in. And so we just used a ladder to go up. And so I set, I set the ladder, and I even thought it through. I thought, you know, I should pull off this ladder a little bit because I'm going to carry a suitcase up to the attic of things that need to be stored away, and I'm going to be bringing things down. So I'll, I'll just pull it out at a little better angle. And, and then I got to the top rung, and my husband said, what I did is I created a lever out of the ladder, and the ladder fell, and I fell 12 feet. And I broke my back, and over nine plus places and my sternum. And so it was a defining moment in my life and it was a suddenly, and nobody was there. I had thrown my glasses in the fall, but luckily a woman's always prepared. She had my cell phone in my pocket. The only problem is I couldn't see it to dial a number. My glasses were thrown, you know, and I, I just tried to think. And I had a Nextel phone at that time. You know, we call those direct connect because we had just been through the tornado in Fort Worth. And so as an office staff, we had gone to Nextel phones so that we could communicate by walkie-talkie. So all I wanted to do was get my husband out of bed. He had just gone to bed. He'd been out in prayer all night long, and he had just gone to sleep. And when my husband first goes to sleep, he really goes to sleep. And I could not wake him up with that walkie-talkie. I was calling for him and calling for him, and I didn't want to alarm him. So I'd say, Steve, I need your help in the garage and you know there was just a few moments of time before I went into shock that I was calling on him and the Lord just spoke to me he said you have a direct connect and I reminded myself I don't have to call on my husband I can call on God so many times we get in situations that we oh we need to call this person oh we need to call this prayer place oh we need to call somebody for prayer but we have a direct connect and we're in that place. And, you know, I began to move my toes. I began to move my fingers. And then I began to praise because I knew that praise would shut the devil up. The only problem was I did have a broken sternum, so I was kind of gasping for air. And when the ambulance did arrive and I started to sing because, you know, I wanted to keep praising God, <laughs> he said, ma'am, he said, Miss Zarbo, Miss Zarbo, just, just lay real still. He said, he said, you just lay real still and I'll sing for you. I just, I, I just moved here from Jack Hayford's church and I'll do your singing for you. So God sent me a praiser so he could praise me through it. Amen? Hallelujah. So the victory that's won is that I'm alive, I'm whole, I'm back on my feet. There were, there were the moments of time and I could tell you the story today, I won't get into all of it, where... I was caught between that life and death. My pastor, Bob Nichols, said he, he, every time he'd leave my hospital, and he'd say, God, we've got to have a miracle. We've got to have a miracle. But I never thought I was going to die because when I lived, when I dropped from that garage 12 feet and realized that I was lost, see, I thought I had died. I mean, the impact of it, you can imagine, 12 feet on the cement floor. I thought I died. I could hear the crunch of the bones. I thought I died. But when I opened my eyes and saw my garage, it didn't look a thing like heaven. <laughs> and I knew I had lived. And so I just made the decision right then that if I lived, I was really going to live. I wasn't going to die, you know. And I was going to live to declare the works of God, and I was going to live to give Him glory. And I am every day of my life. And so all of us, with our challenges and with the things that we face, you know, thank God He's a very present help. And that's the one number one prayer truth you need to understand and know, is that He's with you. He's with you. He said, I'll be with you in trouble. You know, He doesn't leave us just because we got in trouble. I was in big trouble that day. But He didn't leave me in trouble. And He isn't going to leave you in your troubles either. He's going to be right there walking it out with you. He said, I'll be a voice behind you that will say, this is the way, walk ye in it. And you may not be able to see the whole picture. You may not know exactly what to do. But what did Jehoshaphat say to the Lord when he didn't know what to do? He said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. 
and Proverbs promises that God will guide us by his eye. Our only problem is that we've got to stay in a face-to-face -face relationship with him if we want him to guide us by the eye. I mean, when my boys were young, you know, and the 10-year-old was taking care of the 2-year-old in the back of a meeting, you can imagine, the little one crunching papers and trying to open gum packs and the older one telling him no and slapping his hands and, you know, all the stuff going on and me preaching. And I'd be looking back and watching them in the back pew and I'd be preaching along and I'd be doing things like, you know, <laughs> giving them the mother's eye. How many of you could show your neighbor your mother's eye? Do you remember your mother's eye? Go ahead, show your neighbor your mother's eye. What it looked like, yeah, kind of, yeah, just like that, yeah. And so I'd be trying to give them the mother's eye and what would they do? They'd look at the ceiling. Yeah. You know, they'd pretend they couldn't see me. And sometimes I wonder if we don't do that with God. He said, I want to guide you by my eye, but you've got to stay in this face-to-face -face place with me so that I can guide you continually. Face-to-face with God, amen? There's that old song that says, he's as close as the mention of his name. Vicki used to sing that, so beautiful. He's as close as the mention of his name. You just say the name of Jesus. Sometimes you don't have words. I got to the point where I was gasping so much for breath that all I could do is talk like this. But I have to share the miracle with you because three weeks out of the hospital, I was still gasping for a breath with a broken sternum. And I insisted that my husband go to church one night. He hadn't been to church in a month. I wanted him to get back to church to take the boys. And he said, I can't leave you at the house alone. I said, sure you can. I'll just go to bed. Just go on to church. I'll go to bed when you get home and get me up because they didn't want me trying to move about alone. And so he went to church, and it just happened to be the night that we had a special evangelist. And, of course, they've been praying for me. We have a 24-hour place of prayer. Everybody was praying. But that night, that evangelist wore a cloth on him all night when he preached in my honor. And when the meeting was over, he turned and gave it to Steve. But it wasn't exactly a cloth. It was a Kleenex. And he anointed it with oil. And by the time I got it, you can imagine what shape it was in from a sweaty preacher. But I took that crumpled up Kleenex that had been anointed with healing from me. And my husband brought it home. And I said, just put it right here. And I stuck it down my nightgown. The next day, I woke up talking just like this. So God's still doing miracles today, amen? <clears throat> he still hears and answers prayer. Now, I wondered personally why, if God could just heal me like that in my sternum, why he didn't just do the rest of it, you know? Because the, my restoration process was a matter of months before I could be back up on my feet and ministering again. The devil lied to me. He said, you're never going to do what you did before. You're never going to do what you did. And then the Lord would say to me, Barbara, even when you can't do what you do, you can be who you are. So I told Anita, sometimes I'd be the armchair prophet and I would sit and I'd make phone calls every day and pray for other people that I knew were in pain. Sometimes I'd just write notes all day long to people that I knew needed courage and just give because that anointing that was flowing in me and through me was the best thing that could come to me. There's only so long sometimes you can pray over your issues. You know, you get just so to the point where I've prayed everything I know to pray and then you need to pray for somebody else. Because as you pray for others, you'll be healed. Amen? So sometimes God takes us around the back door and lets us pray for somebody else. I have more healings in backs that come through our ministry now. People write me all the time and say, when you were at such and such and you were at this place, my back was healed. And I think, wow, that's just amazing. Here I went through this long process of healing. And I just prayed for you and your back was healed. But you know what? I want it in the spirit. I want it. Sometimes we walk through processes and we have to gain things in the realm of the spirit. We have to, we have to gain the victory. It, it's not enough. I can remember one time a pastor um, talking with a minister that was coming in that was having such signs and wonders and miracles. And they said, you know, I, I want to operate more in signs and wonders and miracles. And, and he said, well, I, I pray eight hours a day, you know, and I, I do this and I do that and all these reasons why he was operating in miracles. And so the pastor thought, I'm going to start praying like that, you know. So he took it and set aside the time to really pray for hours a day. And he said the only thing that happened for him is, he, is he got, his teaching gift got better. He was a powerful teacher. He said, when I started praying in that many hours a day, I just, my teaching gift enhanced. So sometimes we're looking for somebody else's gift, you know? And God's trying to make us individually operate in our own gifts in a greater anointing. 
Amen? So God is good like that. He just he takes us through our process, and when we gain those places of victory, he can use us to minister to others. He can use us to minister to others. So one of the other prayer realities is that that salvation that he promised us, it says the Lord says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. So we call upon his name, and he said, whoever does uh, call upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. And someone's already given you that opportunity today to to, if you don't know Jesus, to, to find out around your table. And I'll tell you, it's as simple as this. You just have to call upon the name of the Lord. You just have to call upon him and say, I do believe in you with all my heart, and I want to know you for myself. I want to experience your love for myself. And that far surpasses mere knowledge about God without an experience. But that sozo salvation is something that we're all growing in every day. It's not just a one day we were saved. It's a daily deliverance from sin's dominion. It's a daily healing power coming into our bodies and restorative power. It, it, the Word of God is life to all those that find it, and it's healing and health to their flesh. So, so we're being daily saved. We've been saved, but we're daily walking out our salvation. You know, it's on the inside, but we got to get it out of us, don't we? <laughs> so we're walking out our salvation with fear and trembling. And, and God's Word says in Galatians 3 or Galatians 5 that it's a work which His presence within accomplishes that, that you get this fruit coming in your life, this fruit of the Spirit, this love, this joy, this peace, this long-suffering, this temperance, this self-control. I'm a farm girl, and I never have seen a, a tomato plant struggle. I've never seen one struggle to get a tomato out of it. And I, I've never seen a peach tree just straining in the night to produce peaches. Never heard any groans coming from the fields. He said it's an abiding place. It's an abiding place in God. And so we need to know that prayer truth about God. Is he says, if you'll abide in my word and my words will abide in you, then you can ask what you will and it shall be done. I used to think that I could make God nervous. Like, doesn't he know that maybe I'm going to ask for something like a sailboat? <laughs> I'd love a sailboat, you know. Doesn't he get nervous maybe thinking that I'm going to ask for, you know, this or that or the other thing? And then I read 2 Timothy 3.16, where it said every scripture is God-breathed, given by inspiration, profitable to reprove you, to chastise you, to train you in righteousness, and conform your thoughts to God's thoughts so that you don't want a sailboat unless you can get people born again on it. Amen? And I'd be glad to do that. But the, our desires become God's desires. He says he, gives, he grants us the desires of our hearts, but before he ever grants them, he puts them in you. He gives you a desire for the things of God so that when he fulfills those prayers and those answers come to you, you say, oh, this is, better. This is a desire of my heart. You know, I was telling Anita, I've always, always, always wanted perennial gardens. I grew up with perennial gardens all around me. My mama had them. But she never let us in the gardens. She made us go out in the vegetables and pull weeds. And she spent time in the perennial gardens. I think that was her sanity time. She would work in those gardens and get all of us kids out in the vegetable gardens pulling weeds. And we had a ball because we could pick fresh green beans and tomatoes and eat them. And, you know, we thought it was the greatest thing anyway. But... I never learned about perennial gardens, but I've always seen them and loved the way they come in different stages. Well, when we were looking at the property where the sanctuary is, uh, it was under four feet of snow. And it, it looked like a huge property, but we couldn't see anything underneath it. And we put the offer in on the property with four feet of snow on the ground. And when we did, just to tell you a quick testimony, when we did, we offered the owner a bargain sale, which was offering her a 501c3 tax write-off. If you're a nonprofit corporation, you can bid a lower amount and offer a tax write-off for the difference between what you would pay and the value of the property. And so we did that, and we told her what we wanted to use the property for, for people to come away to pray and rest. She answered us in two hours with a counteroffer. She upped it $25,000 to $450,000, and she gave us 6.8 acres of land a very miraculous thing in the area where we're in. We're in the Lakes Region Resort area. So we got a total of 10 acres for that bid. When the snow began to melt, we realized that they were all professionally groomed perennial gardens underneath. Now, when I was in Texas, I used to plant perennials all the time. I'd work and work and work. I can't tell you how much money I spent on perennials. 
trying to get them to grow, and all I ever got was knock them dead roses and prairie winkles. <laughs> the rest of it just dried up and died. But you know what? The Lord showed me something. He said, Barbara, you sow seeds, and this is a truth for you today, too. You sow, and you sow, and you sow, and your seeds are always growing. And you don't know. The wind blows this way, and the wind blows that. You don't know whether the seed you plant today or the seed you plant next week is going to produce in this time or in a later time, but it always produces. Just like the word that comes from heaven, just like the snow and the rain, what a winter we've had. But just like the rain and snow come from heaven, so shall his word be. When it goes out of your mouth, it will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose you send it forth to do. It will produce, and you may feel like you sowed and sowed, and you didn't reap some of the things that you were believing for, but it's not over yet. Amen. And I'm just going to tell you, I did a lot of sowing in the last season of my life, but I'm reaping in this season. And my perennial gardens are all over the place now, and I could use some of you to come help weed them. <laughs> but you know what? God said, my word's not going to return void. You abide in me. I'm going to hasten to watch over my word to perform it. And the reason why I'm reminding you of that today is because you and I can pray wonderful flowery prayers. And we can tell God all these things about what he should do, especially with our kids, our husbands, our house and our family. We can see all kinds of things we need God to do. But if you'll take his word and you'll speak his word and you'll, you'll sow it out, You'll sow it over those kids, and you'll just keep covering them and soaking them. You know, I, I like to soak my kids. Amen. When they were little boys, it was easy to shoot a double squirt of joy in the bathtub and put hot water in and soak them. <laughs> it was easy when they were little. Now at 32 and 25, I don't get to soak them like that anymore, but I can still soak them in prayer. Amen. I can still get the Holy Ghost and just brood over those boys. I can just soak them in the word of God. And I can declare his will over their lives. I can declare that they're the head and not the tail, above only not beneath, and that I'll never be pale with fear or disappointment over their degeneracy, but they'll always walk in the ways of virtue and piety, and I'll rejoice in the God who causes them to do so. I can call them disciples taught of the Lord that are obedient to God's will with great peace and undisturbed composure. I can say that they will rise up and call me blessed. Amen. They're not going to look back and say, my mom was so tough on me. They're going to say, my mom, thank God for my mom. Thank God she's a mean mom. <laughs> thank God she made me do those things. Thank God she made me get in that word. She made me write devotionals. She made me go to church. She made me do all those things. She's going to, I'm rising up and just calling her a blessing. If it wasn't for my mother, I wouldn't be who I was today. Amen? That's the word returning to you. Your perennials cropping up. You may not have seen it in your season yet, but you will. Amen. Don't lose heart or don't go weary. The word is alive. It's active. It's full of power. It's operative. It's effectual. Yeah. I have never had anything effectual. I have tried so many things to lose weight in my life. You know, I, 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 took, I boiled bananas. I ate grapefruit for weeks at a time. I ate cottage cheese and peaches for days. I got hooked on, I, that's how I got hooked on drugs. I, I took eight, nine, and ten diet pills a day. 15 years of age, but I never successfully lost weight and kept it off. But 285 pounds, and I put the word on it, and in seven months' time, through the power of God's word, that weight fell off of me. Now, I could use a little falling right now, but it's okay, because I know the power that's in the word, and the same word that delivered me 25 years ago will deliver me now. Amen. Just this week, I started back saying, I exercise and discipline myself. I mortify the deeds of my body. I get dead in my carnal appetites and bodily desires. The devil will laugh at you, and he said, who are you kidding? You haven't exercised in years. But you know what? Whenever I speak the word, it motivates me Amen. to get moving again. And the next thing you know, I'm walking up and down the driveway. And the next thing you know, I'm doing some little, you know, with my little five-pound weights. And, you know, I'm just moving along. I, I, it's not about being skinny, ladies. It's about being free. Just about being free. I hate that about food. Everything else people do in overindulging, you can't see it. But when we overindulge in food, it's so obvious. I mean, some of you are skinny as a rail, but you're overindulging in shopping. And some of you are just skinny as a rail, and you're overindulging with romance novels. And some of you are just as skinny as anything, but you got to watch that TV stuff all the time, you know? But when I overeat, everybody knows it, right? 
but you abide in God's word and his word abides in you. So it's a prayer reality. He's watching over his word to perform it. And then here's another one, that you have a helper. Oh, thank God. I was in a marriage retreat one time, and they were talking about a wife and how she's a helper, a helpmate to her husband, and she's this and she's that, and she strengthens him, and she encourages him, and she's there to do him good on this. I thought, I need a wife. <laughs> you know? I mean, I need one of those. <laughs> and the Lord just said to me, I've given you a helper. You know, I'm thinking, I'm asking people all the time, I need a personal assistant. Is anybody interested in being a personal assistant? You know, I'm trying to find a PA, and he's saying, I gave you one. I gave you a PA. I gave you a helper. You've got to make room for your helper. Sometimes it's easier just to do it yourself, but you're leaving out the helper who knows the mind and the will of God, and he'll pray in and through you the perfect will of God, he'll help you because you don't know how to praise you ought. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that scripture quoted. When you don't know how to praise you ought, the Holy Spirit will pray in through you. No, the Bible says you don't know how to praise you ought. It doesn't say when you don't. It says you don't. And so you need the Holy Spirit to help you to pray in and through. You can't just keep going over the same old thing and figuring things out. The Bible says in Psalm 63 of the Message Bible, if you try to figure it out, all it will give you is a splitting headache. Isn't that the truth? He said, don't lean to your own understanding. Just keep acknowledging him in all of your ways and let the Holy Spirit take hold with you. It's like, wow. It's like being the weaker ox in the, in the you know, in the, um, what do they call them? In the yoke, yes. I mean, you know, you're not really doing the work. You're just there helping balance it. The, the, the strong ox is doing the work. Jesus called himself a burden bearer. He said, just put it over on me. In the olden days, they would have a donkey that carried all the burden, the weight, when they were going from place to place. He said, that's what I'm to you. Just put it over on me. He said, refuse to be worried or anxious about anything, but instead tell me every detail of your need in earnest and thankful prayer. It's, it's up to us to refuse that worry. Worry is a misuse of your imagination. Faith looks at those things that be not as if they already are. Well, so does worry. I mean, how many of you have raised teenagers? How many of you ever told your teenager to be in 11 o'clock at night and they didn't show up? At that point, how many of you began to use your imagination? Oh, here's the clincher. How many of you had the thought run through your mind? I bet my baby's late because he's witnessing to somebody tonight. (laughs) No, you you thought to yourself, he's got his daddy's car. What's happened to him, you know? How is is he going to get to work if anything's happened to his car? You know, and you went through. My mom and my grandmother were professional warriors. I mean, my mom was good, but my grandmother, I mean, she wouldn't let us play in the black backyard if a plane was flying over because shrap, shrapnel could fall. That's how much she worried. So I come by it rightly. But you know what? I have had to learn to refuse to be worried or anxious and tell God the details. I mean, tell me. I've, I've been living with three boys all of my married life, and not one of them has ever said, Mom, tell me the details. I don't live with anybody who wants to know the details. They want the bottom line. But God wants the details. And he knows that when you are releasing the details to him, that you're unloading the care of it. You gotta get, you gotta, you see, everybody wants to live full right now. I'm an advocate of living full to the full. I mean, God promised us we could live overfold, ever filled and stimulated with the power of the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you what, you'll never get filled with the Holy Ghost until you're emptied of your care. And so we got to refuse that stuff. And that's what prayer does. Just instead we tell God the details of our need in earnest and thankful prayer. And then we enter into a place of rest. We put the word to work. Hebrews 4, 12. Such a familiar scripture. But did you know that 4.10 comes first? There remains a rest for the people of God who will cease from the strivings of their own human labor and trust in me for the word is alive and active and full of power. So how are you going to come to a place of rest? You're going to put the word to work because the word is full of power and it's operative and it's effectual. 
and it will work on those situations so that you can stand back and rest. You can be at peace. He said, once you've unloaded all those cares to the Lord, then the peace will come. People come to me all the time, Barbara, can you pray for me? I need peace. He said, well, I, I can't give it to you. I mean, I, 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 I can pray for you, but I can't give you peace. You have to unload your cares. Then the peace will come. The peace that passes all understanding will come and guard, like a guard around your heart and mind. That's how you get to a place of peace. It's your inheritance. It belongs to you. We're not supposed, he said, don't be women that are in turmoil all the time and anxiously wrought up over things. Boy, does that describe women. We get so anxiously wrought up. He's saying, but this, is, this should not be so among you. Women of God, just at peace. Amen. Trusting in our Lord, knowing our God, knowing that our children were born to do exploits for him. I didn't birth those babies just to go through labor. I birthed them for exploits, amen? And we can contend. He said, I'll contend with those that contend with you and bring safety and ease to your children. But you declare and decree it. Don't settle. Don't say, well, I've got good kids. Well, so do I, but I want them to be men of God. I want them to fulfill their purpose to their generation, not just be good kids. The word is how you contend, and the Holy Spirit will help you. And I love 2 Corinthians chapter 1 or 2, verses 9 through 10. It says, Eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man all that God has in store. Yet by the Spirit, these things are unveiled and revealed. For the Holy Spirit himself searches and analyzes everything. You know, I had a revelation one day. It says that he sounds the profound and bottomless things of God. And I started praying about soundings, soundings. And I said, who knows something about soundings? And there was a pilot in the group. And they said, oh, you know, it's like submarines when they go out into the, the deep and they're, and, and they're releasing a radar, you know, out of them. And they're looking for anything that might be a hindrance or an obstacle to their path, danger. He said, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's going out ahead of you. He's going out ahead of your children. He's going out ahead of your situations. He's going out there, and he, he knows the devil comes to steal and rob and destroy, but he's out there searching and analyzing everything, and he's sounding to you. And it says in the Bible that if you will pray at all times upon every occasion with all manner of prayer and entreaty, to that end you'll stay alert. You'll be alert. You may not know, like, what's going on or what's about to happen, but you just know you have not, you've had an unrest about the kids. You've had an unrest about the job. You've had an unrest about something. And you just know there's something that needs to be prayed through here. And the Holy Ghost will take hold with you and pray in through you and divert the plans of the enemy. Amen. And what a day for us as a nation where we need to take hold with the Holy Ghost because only the Holy Spirit knows what's ahead of us. I don't have any understanding of all that's in store, but I do know this, that we're called to come through as a glorious church. And we're going to shine like bright lights in a dark and perverse world. And we're going to hold out the word of life, the gospel. And the only way we're going to shine as bright lights is to get all that stuff out of us that worries and fears and cares and gets concerned about everything and trust in God. And the thing that's going to make the difference is when you're a woman of prayer, not just a woman who prays, but a woman of prayer, and that these realities are true to you, that you know that you can come boldly before the throne of grace. You don't whimper in and say, oh, God, I, I'm just hoping that you'll answer this prayer. No, you can be confident of this very thing, that if you'll ask God anything according to his will, you know he's heard you. And you know that if he's heard you, that you have the petitions you ask for when you pray. And you'll go boldly in there, and you'll take authority, and you'll do what you know to do, and you'll plead his precious blood, that blood, oh, that precious blood, that covers and marks I just mark my kids for God because the Word of Amen. God says if they're marked that nothing shall by any means harm them. Amen? And so we just get in there as mothers. We birth those babies once we can birth them again into the plan and purpose of God for their life. If you've carried any of the pressures of the life before, you can do it again, but do it in the spirit. Don't do Amen. it in the natural. Just make prayer a central part of your life. I have it written in the front page of my Bible. Prayer is my number one priority. I have lists and lists and lists of what I have to get done in the day, but I tell myself if I didn't pray, I didn't get done, the number one thing that I needed to do is keep my relationship with the Father. Just keep my relationship. Jesus would forfeit food. He would forfeit sleep. He would forfeit social engagements. He did anything 
to make sure he could be with his father. And when he was with him, he said, I watch and I pray because I just do what I see him doing and I say what I hear him saying, keeping life very simple. You know, when you spend time in prayer, you'll see things. You'll hear things. And then if you'll just do what you hear, you know, you'll do what you you'll, you'll watch and then you'll just act out what you see, you know, maybe in prayer. I remember one day I was in prayer and I, I heard a baby crying. And I thought, well, I don't have a baby in my house. And I thought, looked out the window, I didn't see anybody out in the yard. And I thought, oh, it's probably a cat. You know how cats can sound like babies. And then I got quiet again in my spirit. And I realized it was coming from the inside of me, a baby crying. And I just said, Lord, what's that? And he said, that baby's mother needs your help today. Oh, I had places to go, people see things to do, you know, my list. And I was going to stop at the dry cleaner, stop here, stop at that, after work and groceries. And I walked in the grocery store, and I heard that baby cry. And I heard it from the next aisle over. And so I know that if I hadn't heard that in prayer, I would have just, you know, babies cry everywhere. But I was alerted, and I walked around the corner, and I said to the mom, Oh, what a cute baby. How old's your baby? I have grandbabies. You know, I was just relating to her. And then I said, is there any way I could pray for you? And she just opened her heart and began to bawl and share her life with me. The next thing you know, I'm buying her groceries, I'm hugging her baby, and I'm, you know, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, I was there by divine appointment Amen. because I'd heard something and I'd seen something in prayer, and all I had to do was act it out. God wasn't putting the pressure on me to do any big thing. He was just saying, just do what I show you to do. Just say what I give you to say and if you'll just do that after praying that you'll keep life very simple and the kiss of God will be on you amen, amen. we want to be vessels of honor today so want to be vessels of honor he said if any man or woman desires to be a vessel of honor and I'll close with this he must simply keep himself purged and uncontaminated from the things of this world and be a vessel that's available for the master's good use I was 27 when I married and for years people would introduce me as Barbara Wells and they'd say and she's available Totally embarrassing, but, you know, that was, Barbara, this is Barbara Wells, she's available. And I said, but I'm 64 years old today, and I'm just thankful that I can say without reservation, my name is Barbara Arbo, and I'm available for the master's good use. And those vessels of honor, you know, we think, oh, they must have been the really fancy ones like these chandeliers, the vessels of honor. No, the vessel of honor in the Bible was actually talking about the most common vessel of all. It was the vessel that held the water at the doorway. And people that walked by, that even if they never came in, they could stop by and refresh. And some people that just pass by your life can be refreshed just being a part of you. And those that come in, they're welcome to wash up before meal. And you can bring them in to your life and you can refresh them. But I can guarantee you this, as you pour out that with which you sustain your life and you refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. Amen. So I challenge you, women of God, be all that you can be. Your church was a birthplace of prayer. It was a birthplace of pioneering the move of God in New England. And it's still, to this day, carrying that legacy on it. And you are among a great host. Women that are publishing the good news, that are part of a great legacy in New England. And you're here for this next great awakening. Amen. So join the Holy Spirit and pray into the plan. Pray into God's plan for you. Let's do that right now. Just grab a hold of the ladies around your table with your hands. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God, for your strong arm in New England. Oh, Thank you, Father God. You're right here. You're right here among us, Father. You promised to be with us to be with us, Father God, and never forsake us, not in any way leave us without support, Father. So even now, as we're touching around the table, Father, we ask for the Spirit of God to move among us right now and to touch the greatest needs in these women's lives, Father. Whether whether it's for their children or whether it's for their marriages, Father, for their finances or for their health, I thank you, Father God, that your word is alive. It's active. It's full of power. 
I speak life and health and wholeness to their lives, Father. I declare their children disciples to the Lord. I declare their husbands men who sit among the elders of the land that the word of God dwells in them richly. If they don't know you, Father, entreat them to come. Draw them by the Spirit, Father God, with like a magnet of the Spirit that they cannot resist or gainsay uh, the wooing of the Spirit, Father God, into your kingdom. Lord God, provide, provide liberally, supply, and fill to the full every need represented in this room today. Where there's been financial struggle, Father, open the windows of heaven, and may they reap in this season even that which they sowed in other seasons, Lord God, a harvest of provision. And I thank you, Lord God, that you have not in any way left them or forsaken them. In no way will you leave them without support that whatever the need be, they'll be self-sufficient, requiring no need of aid or support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. And Father, I thank you for the call of the hour, the call to prayer, Father. You're calling us into deeper waters, Father. You're saying, come on in and get in over your heads. Get in beyond where your thoughts can take you, where your prayers can take you, and let the Holy Spirit come alongside and help you pray. Let him pray in and through you the perfect will of God. Let him gird you up in the loins of your mind. Let him give you a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Let him quicken you according to my spirit so that you'll know exactly what to say and exactly what to do. The divine appointments would be on your plate and in your portion. And that you'll be in the right places at the right time to carry the word of God and to demonstrate the signs and wonders and miracles that he's called you to in this hour. And I thank you for it in the precious name of Jesus. Now, right around the tables, if you're in pain in your body of any kind, I want you just to raise up your hand right now, whether it's physical, emotional, soulish, Ram, right now. Look around your table, ladies. I want you to touch them. I want you to just touch them. Just go ahead and begin to pray. I release a healing anointing today. I release that healing anointing right now as we pray. That healing anointing, Father, you said you bore our pain, our sicknesses, our diseases. Oh, Father, thank you that you bore it. We command pain to be driven out of their bodies right now in Jesus' name. I take authority over it, and I say it is not their portion. It does not belong to them. So I command it to depart from your bodies now that you will be healed and made whole in Jesus' name. Every symptom of sickness or disease of any kind must leave in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that the joy of the Lord shall be their strength, that you will strengthen them right now with your word, Father, and that you would, they would carry out your purposes and fulfill their purpose to their generation, Father. Their lives would not be cut short, but you would extend them and with long life worth living with inward and outward tranquility through old age until death. And I thank you for it in the precious name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Wow. Whew, I just felt like a blanket. Whoa. How many of you already? You had your hand raised, but now you can wave it and say, whew, that just went just as quick as it had come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're believers, and that means we're receivers. Whoa, we're such receivers. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Well, what a rich time in His presence. What a rich time. What a rich meal. What rich word. What that music was heavenly today. Just heavenly. And I just want to say thank you for allowing me the privilege of coming back. I feel like the Lord gave me the, the, a gift today in being able to see all of your faces and just reap some of the benefits of answers to prayer to see your church growing staying strong staying on the track that god provided for it to see the leadership that he's raised up and i just i, I know you want to celebrate your pastor's wife today so just do that with a hand clap so, so precious. god has so has given you such sweet gifts and uh, pastor john and anita and and he's got legacy that's going forth and uh, you continue to pray and leave a great inheritance in this region because it's been a lot of plowing, a lot of sowing, a lot of pioneering. 
to bring you to the point you are today, but the greater things are still ahead. Amen. Amen. And for you individually, I would leave you with the words of Lynn Hammond when she said, if there's anything about your life, if there's anything about your finances, your marriage, your children, that you haven't seen change, then I would just ask you to give me one thing, speaking by the Spirit of the Lord, more time in my presence so that I could bring the changes to your home and your family, your situations that concern you. Only It isn't going to cost money. He says, come without money. Come without, you know, uh, come without money, come without bread. He said, come for the self-surrender of your will. It's just that we need to give ourselves even more to him for him to work in and through us in prayer. Amen? Hallelujah. God bless you. Hallelujah.